today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Short supply of food, a couple of loaves, some fish. Won't do much. But if I put it in his hands, he could feed thousands. If you take your life and you hold it in your hands, you're going to make a mess. If you put your life in his hands, he can do absolutely amazing, amazing things. Reaching up high with arms open wide, we see you're changing our lives so we can be our heads and feet. Continuing his sermon on Solomon's search for the meaning of life, Pastor Ed, in fact, finds for us meaning. If we look to ourselves for purpose, we ultimately find whatever we do isn't enough. The things we build fade away, and the things we want are replaced by other things that we want. But if we invest our lives in God's purpose and the spreading of His Word, we'll be leading other souls to eternity. This is truly the only thing humankind can contribute that we'll hold throughout eternity. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's message, The Days of Our Lives. But once you put God in the equation and you begin to think about a creator, it changes everything. A preacher in Scotland, Thomas Boston, a theologian preacher, he said this, each generation has its work assigned by the sovereign Lord. And each person in the generation has his also, and now is our time. We could not be useful in the generation that went before us, for then we were not, nor can we be useful personally in that which shall come after us, for then we shall be off the stage. Now is our time. Let us not neglect usefulness in our generation. God is saying in Ecclesiastes 1 through 15 through Solomon that our lives, our times are in his hands. That he is sovereign ruler over time. Now, as you look at the Bible text, the first thing that you note is this beautiful poem. Now, Job, I love what Job says when he looks at life. He says this, but Job replied, you talk like a foolish woman. He's talking to his wife. He says, oh, go commit suicide because bad things have happened to you. He said, you talk like a foolish woman. Should we accept only good things from the hand of God and never anything bad? So in all this, Job said nothing wrong. Now, Job was recognizing that life is filled with ups and downs, with, with good and with bad, with wonderful times and times that aren't so wonderful. And what 
Solomon is saying, he, he actually has 14 couplets, and they have activities that cover life. And really what he's doing is he's, he's talking about the extremes. And what he's doing is he's covering everything in between. He's saying that God is intimately involved with every area of our lives. In verse 1, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. Every activity under heaven. A time for everything. God is sovereign over the times and seasons of our lives. That's what Solomon is saying. When he says, a time to be born and a time to die, you had nothing to do with your birth. You didn't choose your parents. You didn't choose the time. You didn't choose the continent. A time to be born. Then a time to die. The Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die. We all have an appointment with death. And what it's doing is Solomon is taking both ends of the spectrum and he's including everything in between. See, God's involved in the times and seasons of our life. It's a time to plant and a time to uproot. Now, I wouldn't advise any of us go out and plant a fig tree out today. Wouldn't be ideal time to do it. What he's saying is there's a time to plant. These are things that God has set up. To go against it, to violate it, is only to harm ourselves. God has set these boundaries, these seasons. And when we recognize and live within those, we experience and we can experience God's presence in our life and his help through those various times. A time to kill and a time to heal. Uh, It's a time for judgment where those who have broken God's law and killed others, their lives will be taken. Or in war, a time to heal. A time to tear down. You, You tear down the old and you build the new. With buildings, there's a life cycle to to buildings. In our own lives, there's a a life cycle. In youth, you're building up. In old age, you're you're tearing down. The text seems to get smaller and smaller. Voices get lower and lower. The steps seem to get higher and higher. They're built into the cycle of life. The idea, one generation comes, and then it goes, and another generation comes. God has set these boundaries, these seasons, into our life. A time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and to dance. You don't want to laugh at the wrong time. I remember as a young man... I went to a funeral, and I got nervous. I don't know if any, any of you have ever experienced this, but I got nervous in the funeral, and I was sitting in the front, and I started to laugh. And they, nobody was making jokes. They were serious. And so I put my head down, and I said, oh, i got to make believe I'm crying or something because I couldn't stop laughing. See, you don't want to be laughing at the wrong time and crying at the wrong time. Everything is appropriate. That's a gamut of emotions. 
There, there's a place on the journey for all these different things. Uh, a time to scatter stones. Uh, when enemy armies would occupy Israel, they would take stones and put them in the field so that they couldn't plant and then harvest those plants. Time to take those stones back. And it goes on to say, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away. I think about when you're young, you're gathering. You're buying, you're saving, you're storing. When you get older, the garage sales, the attic sale, you, you know, you're downsizing, you're giving and getting rid of things. There's a, there's a proper time in all of our lives for these things. You, you don't try and just sidestep it, but you recognize the times and the seasons of our lives are in the hands of God and he has ordained them and so live within them recognize that where it's not arbitrary but it's designed by God there's a time to tear meaning to repent and weep before God there's a time to mend there's a time to be silent and a time to speak a time to love a time to hate Hate that which is wrong. Time to love that which is good. So he goes through all of the cycles of life. And he says, notice this. That God has ordained them. That God has put them in the cycle of our lives. He is Lord over time. And then he goes over and tells us there's a purpose in the times and seasons. He first asks a question in verse 9. What does a worker gain from his toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on men. If you live life under the sun, excluding God, what happens in life is life is just one heavy burden without rhyme or reason or meaning. You say, what's the purpose of it all? What's the reason of everything? It just won't make sense. But when you begin to think about God and recognize this, that he is sovereign over times and seasons, you'll begin to see there's a purpose in the times and seasons of life. And what he says in verse 11a, he has made everything beautiful in his time. Everything beautiful in his time. There's beauty in the times of season. Wait a minute. Do you mean in the difficult, dark times, there's beauty? Yes. If you look to God and you say, God, help me to see. Remember Joseph, sold by his brothers, betrayed and wronged by Potiphar's wife, falsely accused. Then forgotten in prison, left, just forgotten completely. But then God lifts Joseph up. If you wait upon God, even in the most difficult of circumstances, he will show you beauty. He will show you good. How many know Nicholas Herman? 
And I don't mean personally, but he was born in France in 1605 at the beginning of the 30-year war. He, as a teenager, entered into the service, was severely wounded after service. He went out and worked various jobs, but he felt that his life was literally insignificant. And so he decided to go into a monastery, into a cloister. And so he went uh, to the Carmel, Carmelite monastery, and there they gave him the great job of working in the kitchen. He felt humiliated, and he complained and grumbled in his spirit and heart for several years. And then one day, he looked at what he was becoming, and he didn't like it. And so he said, I'm, I'm going to seek God in this. And he began to seek God in the midst of this work that he felt was absolutely insignificant. And as he began to seek God, people noticed a change in him, a joy, a peace. And they asked him, why are you so different? And he began to tell them about the presence of God in his life. And then he wrote a book, Practicing the Presence of God. You know him as Brother Lawrence. That book literally impacted the church around the world. God could make something beautiful out of something difficult. Good times come into our lives and bad times come into our lives. There are times of laughter. There's times of weeping. There's times of pain and there's times of joy. If we recognize that God is sovereign over the times and seasons and he has set this in this world... And we're a part of it. And this sovereign God can help us if we put our lives in his hands. My times are in your hands, the psalmist would say. Not only is there beauty, there is an eternal perspective. God did something in each one of his children, in each one of his creation. He didn't do it for animals. He did it for people. The Bible says that he put eternity in their heart. So we have an eternal perspective. We will live this life and never truly feel at home in this world. God put eternity in our hearts. We will never truly find satisfaction in this present life. Yes, when we find God, there's a peace, there's a completeness. But we were made to live with God in heaven forever. And we will always feel, as we journey through this world, a sense of, we're just passing through. We're just journeying through. And so, God has put eternity in our hearts. And because of that also, we know that there's more than just this life. You know, with the years as they pass on, and, and people that are older can share with, and identify with what I'm saying. There's so many things you'd love to do. So many things that you feel like, boy, I'd like to do this and that and the other. And life isn't long enough to complete the things that you'd like to do. But God has an eternity for us. And he wants us to recognize that. And we see that something's wrong. Everything seems to be temporal that's because we're eternal we're made in the image of god we're made 
to look for something beyond this present life. And so there's a holy discontent. And there's also this sense that, you know, it has to be more than just this present life. We want to live longer. We want more years. And that's a reflection of eternity in our hearts. So God's purpose, when we go through these things, it reminds us with the, the cha- one generation coming and another generation going and one, the sun rising and the sun setting, this constant rhythm of nature, this constant continual similarity between what was and is and shall be. It helps us to realize, wait a minute, There's something more. There's something more. Now, not only are we to have that response that there's something beautiful in life and there's eternity set in our hearts and that informs us on how we face the various seasons of life, but God has done this to be reverenced, to be revered, to be honored for the times and seasons of life. It says this, I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it, nothing taken from it. God does it so men will revere him. What it's saying is this. Control isn't in your hands. It's in his hands. And he does it so that we will recognize we think we may control things. We think we may control. No, no, no. He controls it. And he wants mankind to realize that he is in control so that they will reverence, revere him. And and that means that I'm going to trust in his sovereignty. If you look at the text, I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it. Nothing taken from it. God does it so that men will revere him. See, what God does is absolutely complete. I write an article for the bulletin and my wife edits it and then they send it to the editor and then they edit to edit it. They always are finding mistakes or things that can be improved on. Anything that we do, it's incomplete. It's it's imperfect. We renovated 80,000 square feet at Casperkill and we tried to set the offices up, the rooms up and everything up. We thought it through prayed about it, thought it through, talked it through, debated it. But after it, afterwards, we realized, man, we do this different, that different, the other thing different. But when God does something, he does it perfect the first time. He is perfect in everything he does. It's complete. It's perfect. So you could simply trust his sovereignty. That's what it's saying. God's work is complete, and God's work will last forever. We build buildings, and they'll be gone someday. This whole earth will be consumed in fire in one day. It'll be judged. But when we work with God... And we triumph in the work of his hands, doing his will, his work, that will last for all eternity. So you invest in a soul and you share the good news of the gospel with them. And that soul is changed. And now they're in eternity because you've invested in that which is eternal. What we do with God when we're about his business, doing his will, that lasts 
beyond our lifetime. That lasts all into eternity. So it should be the ambition, the passion, the desire of our hearts to say, Lord, I want to be about my father's business. And you could love trusting in God's sovereignty like Brother Lawrence. He felt like that was insignificant. But God said, if you give it to me and if you put it in my hands, I'll do amazing things with it. Will you put it in his hands? Will you put your life in his hands? Will you give him the times and seasons and not try and control it yourself and say, God, I'll listen to your voice. I'll use my days wisely. And when there's dark things I don't understand, I'll ask you to show me the beauty in it. I'll trust you. And the text goes on to say that in verse 15, whatever is has already been and what will be has been before and God will call the past to account. In other words, what he's saying is this. God connects past, present, and future. He ties it all together. Now, you know that in your own life. In your own life, God taught you some lessons years ago. And you say, well, God, all right, I learned that. And then all of a sudden you discover God's teaching the same lesson again because you, you had 101, but he wants you to have now 201. He's saying, okay, you got that lesson down. You got some of the foundations, but I really got to teach you more on that same subject. And God patiently guides and he, he brings what's in the past and he's working in our lives he's connecting the past the present and the future and what it says to us also is that God will call the past to account we have this sense that things aren't right in this world but the judge will someday judge this world and we have that assurance too and and so that puts in our hearts a holy reverent fear we walk in respect of him. In Psalm 31, 15, my times are in your hands. Now, if I held a basketball in my hands, it'd be worth maybe 20 bucks. Now, if Michael Jordan holds it in his hands, maybe $33 million. <laughs> if I hold a baseball in my hand, maybe... Uh, Six, seven dollars. But if Mark McGuire has a baseball in his hands, um, 19 million dollars. If I have short supply of food, a couple of loaves, some fish, won't do much. But if I put it in his hands, he could feed thousands. If you take your life and you hold it in your hands, you're going to make a mess. If you put your life in his hands, he can do absolutely amazing, amazing things. There's a passage of scripture. It says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive the adoption's children. See, in God's perfect timing he sent his son when we begin to say Lord I'm going to give my life to the one who gave his life for me to the one who died for me 
I'm going to trust my life in his nail-scarred hands. He'll make everything beautiful. The book of Ecclesiastes is a practical look at life, not sugarcoating the difficulties that can be experienced. However, the writer reminds us that God is faithful and has a greater plan for each of us. We can trust Him to bring us through and provide us the strength that we need, always. We do hope you've been blessed by today's message on Building in Faith and invite you to visit our website to learn more about our ministry. Our web address is buildinginfaithradio.com. That's buildinginfaithradio.com. There you'll find an archive of previous messages available to listen to or download, or even share with someone you feel will be impacted by the message. Be sure to find us on Facebook as well by searching for Faith AG2. We know how important social media is in people's lives today. And by liking us on Facebook, you can keep up to date with all that's happening at Faith Assembly. We'd also like to invite you to join us if you're in the Poughkeepsie area for our weekly time of fellowship, Bible teaching, and worship of our Savior. We meet each Sunday at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. and also on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. and have many activities for all ages and all walks of life. Give us a call for directions and to find out more about our congregation at 845-462-5955. Sadly, that's all we have time for today. Be sure to join us again here on Building in Faith Radio as Pastor Ed continues to dig deeper into the Word of God. Your Word Restore